0: We are Siamese, if you please. But bum bum We are Siamese, if you don't please. Kind of racist. Man, I forgot how
1: good Pro- Project 86 is. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. Do you see the fan of ours who sent us that Facebook image where she said, tried to introduce my friend to uh, me without you, didn't turn out so well on the old uh, receiver. And she has one of those in dash receivers (laughs) that says the words and it's instead of in a sweater poorly knit, it was in a sweater poo and it cut off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny. Uh, man. I'm glad that, uh, glad that people like to talk to us about that.
1: I love the fact that I am so cool and hip on this indie music because of you and telling me what to listen to.
0: I don't always buy into it.
1: I don't always buy into it, but there's a handful of times when I do
0: let's be really blunt here if it wasn't for if it wasn't for like me go on your college songs would be stained puddle of mud and disturbed uh okay so no. i'm just saying
1: uh, i will say my college songs would be Bl- limp biscuit <laughs> kid rock stained <laughs> and probably um dave matthews band that's the most call oh, i like that's the most college rock <laughs> i had
0: i like old dave matthews band I know it's not as good as we thought it was, but still, I like when you get to before these crowded streets. That's great. That's what that album is. Is what everyone thought that Dave was for all the early stuff, and, and for the most part, it doesn't hold up. But that album does very good.
1: My favorite is the, how high pitched his voice goes when he sings "Ants Marching." He wakes up in the morning, <laughs> knows his she's like to eat, and he's rolling.
0: This one time we were at a bar and I was I, ha- I was a couple of drinks in and I was feeling good and I was feeling a little bit nostalgic so I played um the dreaming tree which is a nine minute Dave Matthews Band song <laughs> <laughs> went over very well I'm feeling great
1: you know what you guys need. We need to have a conversation about the, the subtleties of Dave Matthews. Here's a nine-minute song. Just wait till it
0: gets, <laughs> see, where it goes, Aye. and it's just a little, like, like you have guitar. talk. It's so good. <laughs> I, lo- I love the Dreaming Tree. I Remember- Thank you. This is where it goes, Aye, Duffy. I miss you. And then it goes, and this is where I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm like, it's so deep.
1: It's so deep. What what do you call this song, 40, 41? What was that called?
0: oh that was a good song too uh there were actually two songs called there were so those are both songs but the song you're referring to is number 41 and it was literally that, that the was one of my favorite song
1: first song that they published
0: mm-hmm. the 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 best version of that song is the live at luther college with uh is it tim reynolds I, I actually saw tim reynolds live it was very good he's excellent
1: uh, this is the month where I go see Derek Webb live in my friend's house church, or not house so church jealous. in his house,
0: <laughs> in his house. <laughs> church. Oh, no, no. You be you become a Protestant. Oh, yeah.
1: and then and then you become deconstructed.
0: There you go. Because that's all pointless.
1: <laughs> it's all crazy. It's all false. It's all, it's a, all dream. a dream. It's all right. So, Luke, what the hell have <sighs> you been up to?
0: Well, uh, I just went to the bathroom. That was fun. <laughs> it and was and feel adventure. like I really accomplished something.
1: <laughs> I was standing in the uh, center of God's will for my life.
0: <laughs> I was like, "We're gonna get through this," and we did. And I feel better for it. Uh, <laughs> it
1: was very emotional, very trying.
0: <laughs> it was kind of hard near near the end, but we really pulled through it at the beginning of Act Three. Uh, oh, gross. No, <laughs> it's been a really good day. I went to mass at a beautiful church here, and in- so. I go to this church, Old St. Mary's. It's a very, I mean, it is one of the, in my opinion, one of the coolest churches I've ever been to in the country. It is, been, it's, this church belongs in Europe. It is gorgeous. Um, But they do the whole, like, they do the altar the other way around. Yeah. And I know some people really like that. I'm not trying to, that's a great way to do Mass. I just, just for some reason, I'm just, I don't know. I, I get it. There's something very cool about it, but I just prefer the other way.
1: I like, Listen, people, you're like preempting emails is what you're doing right now. Listen, <laughs> I, I get it, okay? <laughs> I get it. I don't need your email. <laughs> I prefer it that way so <laughs> much. The Bishop of Tulsa, after I moved down to Houston, uh, started doing that. And he didn't make it mandatory for his diocese, but a bunch of priests started doing it too.
0: Mm. It's. I mean, I do think it actually was um, – my good buddy uh, Sean Ader, who's a who's one of the early uh, early supporters of our podcast. So hi Sean. Um, he said had a priest explain it to him that that why why the priest really enjoys it is he feels like he is um leading the people to God. Like the way it's done, you're like the first. You know, you're really you're actually are like leading the people to God with how you are arranged and and whatnot. And that's cool. Um, I think that's awesome. It just uh, I don't know just not my bag but that's fine
1: yeah i like it because it's this notion of to me whenever the priest is everyone's facing the same direction because the argument is like well i want the priest to face me and we do the prayers together but my whole thing is like when we're all facing the same direction that's when it's like radically affirming our common baptismal dignity and not the yeah. other way around i feel like when it's the other way around he's like come and listen to what i have to say whereas it's like i'm the front man interceding to jesus christ on behalf of our community but we're all in the community i I, that's why i like it oh no no and the other reason why i like it is because there's like a old testament prophecy i want to say maybe nahum or whatever that the enemies of god will come from the north and so when you're facing east they take the gospel and they turn it to the other side of the altar in the Tridentine mass and they pray it to the north to like convert the enemies of god before they get there that's the way it was explained
0: to me i love catholicism i do. too i I just love that stuff it's so dramatic and awesome
1: yeah man i had a very interesting uh very interesting week at the prison yeah oh man good segue well because you say that like the things we love about our catholic faith we have to remember that most evangelicals utterly despise about our catholic faith Mm Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. whenever I do these prison things, so it's all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday. And they set up Q&A sessions where people can just pepper me with questions. And uh, so this one guy, it was me and, and my buddy Stephen Lenahan and this guy comes up. And instead of just asking the question from the table, he comes up, takes the microphone from me, and then asks his question. It takes him like five minutes to ask the question, but it was like, as soon as mass started, y'all got like serious Like, when I pray, like, I'm, like, hands lifted up, I'm on my knees, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but y'all just pray the same way, and he was going through all this different stuff, and I was like, like, yeah, no, that's interesting, and he's like, and then the stand, sit, kneeling, and all that stuff, and I was like, no, 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 totally, I get it, I get it, so I had to kind of explain liturgy, and I said, the number one thing, when we have Baptists or non-denominational people becoming Catholic, the number one thing that they have to get used to is liturgical worship. And for many of them, they, like, love the teaching, and that's why they want to convert, but they're put off by the liturgy. And then you have another group of people who they are sick and tired of the show and the music and all this stuff. So when they come to the liturgy, they're like, oh, my goodness, this is serious worship, you know? And you just can't—this is the thing. Like, people, they're just—those are just two different categories of people, two different temperaments or personalities— Mm -hmm. and that's why catechism (laughs) number 1072 is so important the sacred liturgy does not exhaust the work of the church and i remind people that's what this one guy said i go listen the sacred liturgy does not exhaust everything that it means to be a catholic like i pray the same way you were talking about in my room in the morning like sometimes emotionally i'm more like oh jesus i'm a failure and sometimes i'm like it's just time to be calm and steady and read some scripture and other times, and
0: then like uh-oh. other times, I'm like, na <laughs> <Hey. laughs> I could do a bunch of like you... <laughs> white people from um, Dane, Ohio doing <laughs> that. I have I- multiple times.
1: I can just picture you like with palm fronds in your hands, dancing from side to side, and it's like six in the morning, and you're like, Your wife is like, Get to bed, and you're like, Oh, I'm sorry, honey. But the sun is rising and I need to praise the Lord God most high. <laughs> oh, gosh. I want nothing. Now I'm going to gonna do a Greek dance. <laughs> yeah. hey, or that Russian thing where you cross your arms and you kick your legs up one at a time.
0: <laughs> I have literally almost done that L.A. Charismatic praise and worship thing as, as a kid. Yeah. Because uh, the spirit moved time, you or time. because you're making fun of everyone? Uh no because I because everyone no because I was eight and I just thought I was a blast.
1: <laughs> this is freaking awesome, mom! perm my hair.
0: <laughs> she was like, "Okay, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> your face isn't round. Let's take a bunch of pictures of it so your sister can mercilessly <laughs> make fun of you over and over again." Emily's gonna get a big kick out of this little bit here. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Emily never stop making fun of sixth grade Luke's permed hair.
0: Fair. When I was that age, I thought I was coming. I I I have a real distinct memory of going to a Kohl's and seeing a purple. So this is like this. It would have been ninety four. Seeing a purple blazer and wanting it so badly for our sixth grade graduation. Oh my gosh, that would have been perfect. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, what did you get instead? I know. Uh, i didn't get anything and then we ended up like moving so i had to go to a different sixth grade graduation very traumatic
1: (laughs) when i went very traumatic this is how i knew that my mom that like when i find out that she has uh various mental health issues that it reinterprets her childhood i remember when we were moving and i was like my mom's like why are you crying honey and i was like well we're gonna move and and i'm gonna have to leave all my friends behind which i think is a standard thing for a fourth grader to cry about right wouldn't you Mm -hmm. oh yeah
0: no absolutely okay what did your mom tell you when you moved oh um i'm trying to remember i don't remember so she's so she is a uh huge listener of the show she's even a patreon supporter at patreon at patreon.com slash cf um i don't remember i think it was a really hard move so she was just like it's okay so Knowing how my mom is, I could just imagine her going, "It's going to be okay," and just and just kind of rubbing my back, trying to calm calm me down, which is what she did for like the the bulk of my childhood, at like adolescence and part of my adult life. Yeah,
1: slash, near adult years. <laughs> you know what my mom said? I'll never forget this. She said, <sighs> she got really annoyed, and then she said, "Honey, friends are a dime a dozen. You'll make new ones." And then got up and <laughs> left. And I was like, "Well." well that sucks <laughs> like when he, at one point i think she said no like she we brought the subject up again when i was like let me, uh, let's take another stab at some sympathy and then she said uh i think she said no they're a nickel a dozen you'll make plenty of friends you never have a problem doing that
0: and i was like okay there's some there's some chubby kid back in Ohio who can't wait to be friends with you when you're 19.
1: <laughs> Just imagine right now, there's some purple blazered, perm-haired kid up in Ohio that died, that would die to be your friend.
0: Ah. With round glasses. Why would you put round glasses on a kid with a round face? So you had round hair with
1: the perm, round hair, round mm-hmm. glasses, and a round
0: face. Mm-hmm. We should make the image of that my, uh, pro- my the, the cover of this episode.
1: Well, you got you got to get your mom to send us a picture. I don't have a copy of that. It's somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, that'll be easy. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure Emily has one.
1: I just imagine a series of concentric circles. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> round. <laughs> it was. Everything's round.
0: Did you have hair? Here's one X of those. Ooh. That, how much hair was mm-hmm. permed? I d- oh, I mean, so it wasn't okay. So server nose. it wasn't permed. It was just very big and poofy.
1: Big and poofy.
0: So, so kind of like I used to have very thick hair, kind of like a perm. Yeah. I still do like on the side it's still it still uh curls when it's very humid.
1: What about the top, Luke? What about the top, Luke?
0: <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. Hey. Hey, Luke. Gomer. I want I want to ask you a really quick question here.
1: Yeah, man. I want you to keep it real, y'all
0: do you feel like um a lot of people our age of the a millennial age group don't really know a lot about like why like what go what is a liturgy even do you think like we know that
1: uh yeah i think we're all clueless i think there's so many different opinions and voices out there that we are cricket crazy, crazy clueless and so that's why we need someone to set us straight what does the church say luke Get, take your agendas Throw them out the
0: window. What does the church say? Whoa. What does the church say? And we're going to go to hear about what the church says. Yep. That's your kid.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, at the University of St. Mary of the Lake Mundelein Seminary, they are going to host the first ever, drum roll please, Luke. Drum roll please, Luke. He's slapping his chest right now. Transfigured Young Adult Liturgy Conference. Mundelein, Illinois, June 15th through the 17th this year this summer you young adult listener head out there they have a whole bunch of great speakers that are going to be there that are on the faculty they're going to help you study they got talks planned out friday saturday and sunday there's even drinking with the saints when are they going to host that saturday night like a gentleman and then immediately after that they have a social adoration and confession
0: so, if you want to find out more, go to btransfigured.com slash cf. Again, that that website is betransfigured dot slash cf. Betransfigured slash cf. Luke,
1: you should say it six more times. No, don't,
0: don't. Betransfigured dot slash cf. slash cf. So, anyways, uh, you were saying the third thing. Then we had a twenty minute tangent about us and as kids ha- having to move.
1: Um, are we talking? We go back to the prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, what was the third thing? What do you mean? I had a third thing of the
0: the, I the things you that see, he- you said, and and then I interrupted you. Oh, damn it!
1: Well, the the I know the big thing for me this week was we had so last Sunday we brought in thirty people into the church. This Sunday we brought Praise in him. six people into the fullness of the sacraments of initiation. So a bunch of Protestants and one Catholic and now uh, dealing with that was beyond exhausting even though the ride itself is fairly manageable everything surrounding it was exhausting and uh <laughs> but i couldn't do anything for it because on thursday starting at 4 a.m i had to leave and go to the prison because the prison is about an hour and 10 minutes away from me so you have to go we meet up stand outside in the freezing cold and then we gear up and go in together and uh it was really fun going with a new guy who's also young and I was talking with him and I'm like, dude, dude, are you scared? And he's like, no, no, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I hear all your stories. And I'm just really excited. And then I show him the big red sign that says uh, notice or warning. Uh, no hostage will be allowed past this point. And I was like, what do you think that's referring to? And they're like, oh, is that referring to us? And I was like, it sure is. <laughs> like, if we get captured, <laughs> you ain't leaving this place. And he's like whoa how many guards are going to be in the room with us and i was like last time just one and she sat in the front by the door and then he's like she (laughs) oh it was a blast (laughs) luke it was a blast so let me just give you a couple highlights the funny stuff this one guy goes i will never forget this he said he goes it was the best line he said uh Man, when, when I first walked in, so when they walk in, we make these columns, and we just clap and cheer, and we hug and shake, sh- hug the men and shake their hands or whatever and welcome them, when they, and they've never even met us before. They have no idea what this retreat is going to be about, and they walk in, and this one guy goes, I see all you white dudes line up, and no offense, but the last time I, I saw a column of white dudes like that, they all had batons and were wearing body armor. <laughs> oh, oh no! We, I lost it. I was laughing so hard, and then he's like, "I'm not, I'm not trying to be offensive or anything." But then y'all hugged me, and that was like amazing. And I don't think anyone's ever hugged me like that. Like you guys, like show the love. You show the love. Then he go, and then he like kind of trails off, and he goes, "But really, most of y'all white dudes, y'all look like FBI agents." <laughs> And one of the guys was wearing like a windbreaker, and we're like, "You really look like an FBI agent." And then he looked over at me, and he goes, uh, "Gomer, I, I guess you're
0: undercover."
1: <laughs> like, what gave it away? If
0: anything screams F- <laughs> F- FBI agent, it's Michael Gormley.
1: Yeah. Hi. Are you kids smoking the marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> but it was so. It was such an amazing. It was such an amazing experience. Every single day, it just, oh, good. it just kept getting better and better, even though we had some crazy stuff kind of happen. So, like, the prisoners are not supposed to cuss ever in our presence. And last year, I never heard one. I think I, like, said, it, like, ass and damn at one point. And then I realized, like, none of them are cussing. Why should I? And then some of the guys cuss. Like, actually, one of the presenters cuss. And then some of the guys, they just, and they're just they like, pardon my language, of my language. That's how I am. And then the, the chaplain who runs the thing overheard a lot of that and he's like, if y'all don't get in get control of that, we're gonna shut this down. Cause it kind of shows like they're escalating, you know, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just kinda kinda rein it in there, boys. But it was it was an incredible experience. It is such a trip doing that. And I got hammered with so many questions.
0: Mm, I bet you loved it. I could see you um thriving in that.
1: You know what is weird is I thrive in male prisons. <laughs> I don't know what that says (laughs) about me, but male prisons really speak to my heart. And uh, doing this prison ministry, I should probably go to a couple of the other prisons, but there is something about... When I showed up at the Ferguson unit, and there's some pictures on Google Image Search, maybe I'll link to them. But when I first showed up, I literally thought, this is like a monastery with razor wire. I don't know too many monasteries that have razor wire, but this one it looks like these old brick buildings... And the chapel sticks out right in the center with a big cross on it that a local Baptist church had built. And you're just looking at it, and you're like, wow. This could be a monastery. These men could be like temporary monks. And uh, hmm. yeah, it's fascinating. And, and just hearing their stories. Their stories is what changes lives. I mean, they've been through dirt, man. I, I th- yeah. Oh. And one guy said to me, he came up to me, and he goes, Mike, I'm going to say this, you know what's different about this retreat than last year's? I was like, what's that, Jerry? He goes, we got a lot of murderers on this retreat. And I was like, oh, boy. You don't say? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yep, a lot of a lot of 40, 60, and life, 40, and 50, 50, 60 year sentences, and a lot of lifers in here. And I was like, Ooh. huh. And I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't pick out which one. I couldn't. When you're sitting there and you're listening and mm-hmm. you're talking, a lot of the guys, I don't know, mm-hmm. it's so fascinating. Like, I could literally, I literally told so many stories to the people. My favorite thing is all the guys that are evangelicals, which was a ton of guys, they had their conversion in prison, you know, all this stuff, they all sit there and when you talk to them, they all say the same thing. They're like, you know, man, when I was reading, the, I'm, I'm like steeped in the word, like I read the word of God, right? And I'm just so steeped in the word. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, okay. And so we'll be talking about scripture. And they'll ask me something about like, what does the Catholic church say about, and I'll be like, well, you know, the reason why, and I'll give some like a little bit of biblical evidence, a little bit of history, and they'll be like, that's cool, that's cool. But like, you know, like when I see it in a word, I'm like, okay, note to self, adopt the word lingo. And so when I'm up there <laughs> giving my talk on the sacraments, I was like, now if y'all will just turn with me in the word to Romans chapter five, and it does. It's amazing. It does. It just totally changes the tone. Oh, man.
0: hmm we had w- do you um, um could we ever do a live podcast there would that work uh could we yes
1: you can because i would have to have all the equipment uh, they do have a pretty good soundboard um a local group christian group had donated like really good sound equipment there but um mm-hmm. and, and we they just record to a sd drive so we could just bring in an sd card the thing is that they mm-hmm. don't want is anything with wi-fi or bluetooth what because oh because okay. then you have the potential of broadcasting messages outside the prison yeah sure so you never want to do that so you have to be super safe about that but um the you know we have we have a guy with like an old point and shoot camera that doesn't have wi-fi so he's allowed mm-hmm. to take that in and um but my uh my little portable zoom h6 recorder that doesn't have any wi-fi and as long as we don't use wireless mics we could route it into there and then me and you could have like a lapel mic or something,
0: and, and kind of broadcast
1: it to the crowd.
0: Hmm. I think it'd be really cool to put that on a, a vinyl album, like a do it like Johnny Cash thing. <laughs> Folsom Prison. Yeah. Welcome to Ferguson. And Prison. then my, boom, 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 chop that bad bitch down. I'm the... <laughs> That's all I want to do. I'm
1: the I'm the man in green, Michael Gormley. <laughs> Don't confuse me with <laughs> the man in black, Johnny Cash.
0: <laughs> like, and i'm the man and v- it was very uncomfortable here but who's trying yeah
1: i'm the man in denim head to toe denim <laughs> my name's sixth grade luke and i'm wearing a purple blazer <laughs> why are you wearing a purple blazer oh, to prison ministry i, I, I don't know <laughs> i mean because it's cool because that's what i wore to prom but why are you wearing it
0: <laughs> uh why not wear a purple blazer to prison ministry i ask you can i ask
1: you you a quick question when you were picking out this purple blazer when you were in what grade were you sixth grade
0: i was in the sixth grade yeah uh
1: did it have really big shoulder pads
0: uh i don't remember but i would imagine so i mean this is peak this stuff this is 94 this is (laughs) pre-oj or or oj may have already may oj may have already kind of been started i don't remember but i feel like it was before oj i don't know i could be wrong
1: Man, I can just imagine it all blends with together a with tall shoulder pads, purple suit, maybe yeah. uh, a bright yellow shirt underneath with a black po- mm-hmm. uh, chest pocket like um, Cuba Gooding Jr. wore in um, uh, Boys in the Hood.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, totally I, yeah. that. so was it at J. Crew? Did you add... get at J- Not J.
1: Crew. J. Riggins. <laughs> what was that store my brother used to shop at that literally carried all like all the clothing scene in Boys in the Hood?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome i have no idea it was probably the last person asked that
1: was it a double-breasted suit it probably was wasn't it
0: i i want to say i i don't remember maybe maybe so to to provide even more context for everyone out there in our listener land uh i was real into ace of bass at this point in time and the janet jackson album just called janet (laughs) you saw the sign
1: and it opened up your eyes my friend there's no shame in Mm -hmm. that that was the first album i ever owned no 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 mariah carey Mm. here no mariah carey was my second one ace of bass was my first one
0: i was so upset when she went full-on uh how do we say um slut no that's not how we say it (laughs) oh sorry sorry i i apologize whore uh (laughs) (laughs) which i'm just kidding (laughs) that's horrible um, I, I remember being so like why is she doing this that's wrong sweet sweet fantasy baby <laughs> I know you're supposed to be in a tree on a little like tired just swinging having fun not doing this <laughs>
1: although those shorts were short <laughs> man Mariah Carey I just learned a <laughs> fact about her that when she travels I don't know if this is all the time but at least some of the time when she travels to do like a big event concert thing her she, her, she has her hotel room which has like a crazy amount of stipulations like she has to have, like, five high-powered humidifiers and stuff just going around the clock, I'm sure this is for her vocal cords and skin and stuff. But she has five rooms just for clothing and makeup, and then she has ten rooms for her entourage of clothing and makeup artists and stuff. Do what you got to do. Which is coincidentally exactly what I do.
0: No, yeah, it's true. It's actually in your rider that all the parishes get.
1: Yeah, which is why parishes don't hire me. <laughs> so i'm like okay it's true. i'll stay at the holiday inn i'm fine with that but i need at least a minimum of 15 rooms
0: <laughs> <laughs> and three of those are for luke so
1: there you go i mean i understand that you don't want him talking i don't want him talking either but
0: he has to at least be here <laughs> <laughs> someone's got to keep him in- in- entertained
1: <laughs> oh man yeah so prison ministry big deal it was so good. It went so well. Another time a guy a guy's doing a QA and he goes, Hey man, uh, I gotta ask you this question. And this this might sound racist, but and before he going on to the next sentence, I just bust out laughing into the microphone. And I'm like dying laughing. People are like, What? And I go, You can get away with saying that. Imagine if I started my sentence like that. All right, guys, this might sound racist but and then delivered i go whatever statement comes out after that immediately invalidated and they were all laughing oh yeah but then he said where are all the black dudes at because <laughs> all of us are either hispanic or white that are from the catholic churches and i go mm-hmm. i go oh buddy <laughs> good question yeah, i go oh buddy just you wait till tomorrow he's coming and it was my associate pastor's nigerian <laughs> i literally was like the one guy will be here <laughs> so, so terrible it came out that way but then i had to explain like the history of the slave trade settling in the south catholics were persona non grata in the south and so when mm-hmm. slaves became christians they became christians of the denominations that either their owners had or um, were present, so like missionary Baptists in the South and all that in the Reconstruction mm-hmm. era, and then when they moved in their 1920s, 30s, 40s, and onward into major cities, they kept that that kind of faith, so it's kind of seen as black culture is not Catholic culture, and I said, but when you get Caribbeans coming, or you get um, you know people from the Caribbean and whatever, or people coming mm-hmm. from Africa, uh, a huge number of them are actually Roman Catholic, yeah. so he was like, oh, that's really cool, I didn't know that.
0: Is that is that mostly due to the French?
1: Uh, yeah, but then not just the colonies, but then the missionary efforts of Roman Catholics, yeah, yeah. in in the foreign in the foreign country. So, yeah, in
0: Africa, probably would have been mostly France. I would, I would imagine, yep. maybe a little bit of Spanish, but
1: yeah, very little. Just, I mean, the Dutch, the Dutch center, uh, you know, they were in the middle of Africa, the Congo,
0: and South Africa, and all that stuff. But yeah, I think it was uh, how do. you... Hmm no it's just so crazy like how do you like how do you reckon how do we reconcile that and, and that is the that is an loaded question uh well, we know how the that we, we know know the british
1: to. did it this is the white man's burden it's literally the theology we got to carry civilization to the savages which yeah. is the whole point of uh what's his name conrad's heart of darkness it like he has uh the white missionaries being on a pontoon boat or being on a boat going up there navigating the river you know and they're in a thing with a bunch of cannibals. And the cannibals, like the missionaries, they have, like, meat from animals that they're eating instead of people. And the mm-hmm. missionaries are like, oh, this meat smells awful. And they'll, like, kick it into the water. And he's trying to con- contrast these people who are like, I'm loving and here to tell you about Jesus. But really, I'm just imperial and want you to have my culture. You know, that kind of
0: mm-hmm.
1: that kind of mm-hmm. problem. But, you know, Ugh. when you when you don't have a clear separation between throne and altar the stupid shit that political people do always falls back on the religion and less on the even the politician. It always, you know, oh, you evangelicals yeah. think Trump is so righteous. Well, what about this and that? And it immediately goes right to the church, right? But you can't, but Christianity is a social project. So you can't, now while it doesn't favor one political system or another, it certainly is critical of a lot of political systems, but at the same time, you know, no political system can perfectly fulfill the gospel requirement. And so you have this notion of it like, well, in the Middle Ages, we have a Christian society. It's like, yeah, but we used to take people's guts out and wind it around a, a, a stick and torture people with the most disgusting cruelties. Like, choke them mm-hmm. almost to death mm-hmm. and then draw and quarter them and then set them on fire. Like, like it was pretty yeah. horrific, the stuff that we did. And people are like, well, that was the time.
0: I mean, it was a hard era. Man. What do you... if? Is it possible to get it right for
1: individuals? Like, is it possible for individuals? Probably. Really,
0: yeah, but for a like, can you have like a saintly, a society? Huh? Because we're supposed to strive towards that, but can is that actually attainable?
1: I don't think any. I would say no in one regard. I would say the saintly society is the kingdom of heaven, and the moment you have. Because you're accounting for fallen human nature when you have these political systems, you always Mm -hmm. have to account for things like um, things that are evil, things that are sinful, but greater evil would be caused by trying to get rid of them. And so because individuals are fallen and broken, the system has to accommodate that. So it's up. It's up to the individual rulers and the the lawmakers and whatnot to figure out what laws, like, how they are going to make laws, how they're going to enforce laws, how are they going to punish wrongdoing, how are they going to tax, how are they going to enforce equity and all that stuff. So I don't think you can ever have a perfect system because you can't have perfect people. And these systems are only made up of people. Like, in theory, Mm -hmm. direct democracy could work wonders unless you have fallen, broken people that are a part of it. Right in theory, mm-hmm. a absolute monarchy could work if you have saints running it. But here's the deal: this is this is actually one of my favorite articles that that really drew me into the author, who's my favorite philosopher, Alistair McIntyre. Um, he wrote an article called "The Natural Law as Subversive: The Case for Aquinas," and he took the 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 teachings of Saint Thomas Aquinas. I think I might have mentioned this in the past, and applied it to both. Um, uh, the supermundi Frederick, uh, I can't remember, whatever. He was the king of Naples, king of, uh, he was the Holy Roman Emperor, all this stuff. And he applied it to what, that guy's kind of viewed as like a secularizing influence in the age of, you know, crusaders and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, he contra- and, uh, and he compared that guy and contrasted him to St. Louis, the king of France, who was also at the same time, who, was, who is a canonized saint in the Catholic Church. So St. Louis is named after the city in, in Missouri. And so this guy... Alistair MacIntyre shows how the natural law would subvert the ruling, the reign of both of these kings. One for attacking the faith, and the other one for trying to enforce the faith by law. So it was basically like he was saying you can't make all mortal sins crimes in a state. So then you have to account for mortal sins, like people, you know, people doing immoral things that wound the body Mm -hmm. politic but it would wound the body politic even more if you were to criminalize it, the behavior and attack it. That's why I remember the ultra Just
0: because it's unattainable. Yeah, it right? was, well, not yeah Unattainable. yeah. But no, it, I mean it's unattainable yeah, from a political It's not a realistic.
1: Yeah, from a political like yeah. you can have Yeah. a you can have every man in the country not go to prostitutes. But that doesn't mean you can enforce zero prostitution when men and women want to pursue prostitution, right? So, like, individuals can be converted that way, but I don't think a government can get a society to go that way, right? So St. Thomas Aquinas famously mm-hmm. or infamously mm-hmm. said that prostitution is one of those crimes that it, it, it's essentially like the sewers of a city. Like, it relieves, it's like a pressure valve for some men would kill to have sex or rape So this is better than that, but it's still immoral and they will still burn in hell for all eternity. However, enforcing a no prostitution thing could result in far worse stuff. And so you could say, you can make that argument about weed. I mean, I've made that argument about weed. Mm -hmm. Like, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, you should decriminalize all drugs, okay? Now, before you go nuts, there's plenty of reasons why what I just said should not be done, okay? And I'm well aware of those. Uh, this is a strong opinion, loosely held. I'm more than willing to be uh, attacked on that. But um, I, I especially think weed and cocaine should be legalized. And uh, i got gotten many arguments, especially with <laughs> drug addicts, who are like, why the hell would you want to legalize cocaine? And it's like, because that would wipe out the market for meth, and meth does hella damage, heroin, all that stuff. Most of those markets would disappear. Yeah. But the reality is, like, in Portugal, they made all drugs legal, and they instead of enforcement, they dumped their money into Rehab and it and it's caused a massive drop in addicts and suicide from or um, accidental overdose and all hmm. that stuff. So you think about: Do hmm. you want less drug addicts? Then maybe just making drugs illegal is not the best thing because the enforcement causes more damage. So you enforce drug laws, you cause the price of drugs to rise. Then you have people who weigh the pros and cons of facing a drug charge versus facing the potential of making a million dollars in a year of drug dealing they choose the drug dealing and they're just simple cost benefit analysis of the situation it's worth it to me to get up out the hood or to do this or to do that and this is all stuff that i heard this weekend these men saying i didn't become I, i wasn't addicted to drugs i was addicted to the money that it made me and then you have that and then so what does the law do the law raises the punishment for drugs And then to communities that are poor, whether you're talking about white or black or Latino or Asian, poorer communities will tend to have young people that will look for an easy way out, an easier way out. And, I mean, think about the power. I mean, I remember watching a movie about this, and T.I. was one of the actors, and his it was with um, Big Boy from, um, I think it was ATL. I think it was the movie ATL. And mm, okay. basically, T.I.'s character worked hard cleaning buildings and doing all this stuff, and his kid brother was just obsessed with, like, gold fronts and diamonds and all this stuff. And he his whole lesson was, you can make money, you just got to save it, but you can go legit. And his brother is, was constantly pulled into the world of Big Boy who was, like, the drug dealer. Um, and he got mixed mm-hmm. up into that horrible world. But it's like, if you work a corner and come home with two grand in one night, How are you going to talk about work ethic in that circumstance, right? I mean, like, two thousand dollars in one night is the equivalent for most people. Like, I remember when I was working, you know, minimum wage jobs. That's Mm -hmm. that's. I mean, I was getting paid three hundred and fifty dollars every two weeks. So you're talking months of income, and it's just to many Mm -hmm. people they just weigh the pros and cons and like, yeah, I'll do that. And then you have the whole gangland culture. So then the gangs enforce the corners and enforce this. And then you have the whole drug culture, which the majority of gun violence is committed within gangs, securing corners of a hyper-legalistic law thing. And it's, I find like, if you were to decriminalize a lot of this stuff, which we're seeing and you know, and there's problems with decriminalizing. Don't, I'm not, I'm not on a crusade here to decriminalize, but you remove a lot that is attached to drug culture. And then, the enforcement costs disappear. You know, I mean, there is problems. Yeah. Like Some of the problems, well, one of my friends, police officers, like, how am I supposed to test whether someone driving is under the influence of weed? <clears throat> they're like, I can do that with blood alcohol. I can't. You can't really do the same thing with weed. So you have someone driving mm-hmm. impaired with weed. And then I just said to him, yeah, but they're going to drive
0: slower. That was a joke. That <laughs> <but. laughs> was a good response. Well, no, because it's, I mean, so I'm in an area where in j- just like, a, a whole lot of other parts of the country there really is a heroin epidemic here it is quite terrible um and one of the issues or heroin I should probably say opium or just I don't know i'm, I'm not sure of the right terms but it is a on a massive issue and one and one of the problems is basically when you try to enforce one drug you have the rise of another which is that issue with enforcement you were um, talking about and yeah. it's just i mean it is destroying parts of the northern um, uh, kentucky area parts of cincinnati i mean it is massively bad to the point where there are certain highways i'm tempted to not go on at certain times of the day because people it's a thing to like shoot up while you're driving on this highway yeah you had mentioned that and it, you had either seen someone
1: that was high yeah or i
0: saw a dude like walk out of the woods i just assume he was high because he it kind of seemed like he was. Let me just let me just put it that way. It didn't seem like a person who had a mental issue would do a thing like this. And he just walked out of the woods onto like right by the like major highway he started to dance by the little like um gosh, I'm trying I'm drawing a blank on what you'd call that online on this side of the highway where you then can the media. Like, um, yeah, yeah. He was starting to dance by that. Like he was about to just like like walk into cars going eighty. Oh dear. I mean, it was just, it was, and, it, and that's a common thing here and it's, uh, not going, it's not going away. Yeah. And, it's um, it's, I mean, it's destroying families. It's, I mean, just, um, I mean, we had an issue, I can't get real specific here, but like, you know, we had an issue with a person nearby that we thought perhaps was under the influence and it was really traumatic and kind of crazy. Just to experience that even in like a five minute span. Um, Super, super nuts. So, uh, and I think, and I guess my one of my issues with this is that there are certain things like what you are, I'm talking about that are off the table. You can't have that conversation because people get too emotional and which is understandable. But I think that this is such a big deal that it's just killing thousands of people here. Yeah. Um. Why aren't we, why don't we take this on conversation? To, like, why can't, why, why can't anything be, why is it? why are certain things off the table when we have these when we have these chats why can't we really have like a rational discussion and not get into oh you're i don't know like trying to destroy humanity or something i don't i don't know yeah
1: the i mean we live in a culture where pope john paul ii said it best where he said essentially in love and responsibility that technology is replacing or technique technology is replacing virtue and you can see this with, like, his argument in that book, or, yeah, and that book was about contraception. Like, I don't have to refrain. I just get a condom or whatever. And the notion in terms – like, you see this more and more, like, I don't have to lose weight. I go on lipo or I get a lap band or, you know, one of these other fixes. And I'm not saying medical information intervention is not important. But, I mean, I have a friend who's a heart surgeon who says – the biggest problem with his clients are they don't want to change their lifestyle. They don't at all. And so what is a doctor supposed to do when it's either death because of another stroke or this, you know, what do you call those um, statins, right? Like giving them all these inhibitors and all these medicine and Mm -hmm. people are like, Oh man, it's, (laughs) it's the drug industry getting these doctors to pump people full of drugs when they should just change their diet. And my buddy, our buddy, uh, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> say who it is, but um, he was telling us, whose dad is a cardiologist in Texas, was saying, w- These people don't want, they don't want to change their life. So it's either let them die of a horrible heart attack or whatever, or give them these drugs. I'm going to give them these drugs 10 times <laughs> out of 10 so that it, it fixes their condition. Well, what do you have when, I mean, you have the problem with legalizing drugs is the law is also a teacher. And that's the thing that is a rejection of the libertarian argument. And I think it's even mentioned in that natural law is subversive where the libertarian argument is essentially law is just a restriction of your freedom. It's a very non-Catholic – libertarianism at its core is a very – in a lot of ways is a non-Catholic view of law, the relationship between human nature and law. Um, But that being said, there's this notion where it's like, well, the law isn't a teacher. It's just a restrictor of my freedom. I should have these freedoms to do whatever. But the law is a teacher, and I know for a fact that if drugs became legal – a lot of people's, especially parents, a lot of their arguments against drug use is simply, well, it's illegal. You shouldn't do it. You can get in trouble with the law, blah, blah, blah. There's not another level of argument. And so, I don't know. It's been on my mind a lot lately, especially here in the prison. So, check this out. What do you do when someone says, you know, when I was a little kid. So, I'm going to try to fuzz the details a little bit, but still give you 100% the, the, the feeling of it. What do you do Go on. when your parents give you weed when you're less than 10 years old? what do you do when your dad teaches you how to huff paint when you're less than Mm -hmm. 10 years old what do you do when you on your own are smoking embalming fluid right or you're Mm -hmm. or you're you know just getting using hardcore drugs when you're 9 10 11 years old like what happens to those people right they just get sent into the system and there's Mm the prisons are not a great place to live they're not a great place to heal and they're not a great place to change now a lot of these men when they get religion that's where they get that's when they're like i need to improve myself i need to go to classes i need to go to therapy i need to spend time with the chaplain i need to go on Mm -hmm. retreats i need to do this stuff but you got to have that break-in moment because it is terrifying but there's i mean so this is the problem with legalizing it is the law becomes a teacher it's legal that means you you can do it i mean saint paul says all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. But most people are like, if it's lawful, I'm going to do it. And so, you know, my my hope would be, and this sounds crazy, but heroin is not, or um, cocaine is not as bad for you as heroin is. It's expensive, which is why a lot of people do heroin, because coke mm-hmm. is so much more. It costs $100 for a weekend of coke. I found out this weekend, it costs $15 for a weekend with heroin. But heroin messes you up. Meth messes you up. On a totally mm-hmm. different level, and so yeah. I would yeah. rather people have, you know, it's 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 not just about the lesser of two evils. It's it becomes a positive evil because if people want to get high, there. I mean, how many more spray can, paint cans do we have to lock up? And you know, there's there'll always find things. If it replaces oxygen in your brain with whatever substance, it gonna get you high. Okay, mm-hmm. and people are gonna do it no matter what it is. No matter what it is, Ugh. that's what's terrifying. So we have to address yeah. that in people. And until we address that in people, we're still going to have a drug epidemic problem.
0: Yeah. And I, I just, I also just, I get very concerned that as our culture uh, really just rejects any type of, any type of real meaning. Uh, that I don't think it's the sole cause of these things, but I think it just makes it that much worse yeah because if it's you know like if i so i get clean then what
1: yeah
0: you know like then you've taken away my i mean, I don't know i don't really know no, what you don't really know no, any addicts but that's I'm exactly what wondering. they say this
1: is the only thing i have and i know it's killing me but it's all i have like i hate my job you know like these people work dead end jobs so what mm-hmm. do they have what what is the next thing for them you know, they have meaningless casual yeah. sex, usually around drugs. So now you're going to take away that from them if they're not around the type of women who like drugs yeah. and all that stuff.
0: That's actually one of the reasons why I don't, I really hope they don't make smoking illegal because I think for some people it's just, uh, like, it just keeps me calm. You know, I, like, which, like, sane was it who her spiritual director told her to not quit smoking because she was just too mean? No idea. Which. <laughs> I think I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was Edith Stein. That would have been wrong, but I'm trying to remember who it is. Um, I can see see her being
1: Edith Stein because she's like a, you know, like this brilliant intellectual growing up in all those circles, you know, hanging out with Lucerol and all them.
0: Yeah, that was just kind of like, hey, like this is really like making you not a good person, so let's just keep this. (laughs) um, That's so funny. (laughs) Let's not be terrible to others. Yeah, just I don't – And it just, man, I just get so bummed because we can't have this conversation without it turning into just a religious war. Well, you want people. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I just want to have a normal conversation where. I don't know. See, I hate the whole drug war.
1: Because it was like, yay, communism fell. We can now wind down the American military industrial complex. Alliantwar. dot com. We can wind down all this stuff. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, uh, it's like George W. Bush was like looking around, being like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. What do we need to prop up fifty state senators' campaigns about bringing jobs to the state because they have a uh, defense contractor? The war on drugs. Instead of war on poverty, <laughs> we got a war on drugs. So the police can bother me. Tupac said that and it's true
0: ah uh, so right <laughs> well you know I mean, they do it, have a war no, but poverty i mean, by lyndon baines johnson but yeah no but i'm but he's right though i mean there's this element of um when everything just seems against you because you're forced to be stuck where you are this is why we really have to think about what do people mean by white privilege yeah Actually, like what do they mean by that
1: yeah and you find um the men i'm with in the prison they are. It's literally divided in thirds: black, white, and Latino. So it's not like, mm-hmm. especially since it's a violent crime prison. You know, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of gang violence. Almost all the men that I work with are are were in gangs. Mm-hmm. And I, oh man, let me tell you, my my happiest memory. I don't know if you remember last year when I went. I had shared the story I of do. how one. I do. <laughs> yeah, because I was obsessed about it for weeks
0: no i was just no because i was just so impressed with like how happy you were with it, it, was, I, it was like it was like i don't know you had come alive in a way about ministry that you hadn't been in a long time yeah so yeah because people do what i tell them um the uh <laughs> <laughs> just kidding but yeah, uh, um
1: the uh this one guy was talking about sliding out which is the term that they use sometimes when they describe leaving your gang affiliation. And for many of these people, you, you're you like a crypt or a blood or whatever, a salidos or something like that, outside. But when you come inside, those gangs don't really exist in the prisons. You have prison gangs that exist within the prisons. And usually it's broken down according to your ethnicity. Um, and so it fosters like a lot of the racial stereotypes and all that stuff. So you have people who beforehand did not care about. Being racist one way or another, and then if you're white, like you join the Aryan Brotherhood, and it's a disaster. Well, the Aryan Brotherhood's bigger outside in the world, but there's different white gangs inside, and um, so when you're sliding out, if you, if you don't live the Christian life, if you're sliding out because you're becoming, you, you found God, then if you do any action that the gang deems backsliding, they will beat you almost to death, if not kill you. Because they see it as you're using religion as an escape from the gang life responsibility. Mm-hmm. So they want to make mm-hmm. sure you're not doing that. With that said, the uh, the people who... So this one guy's talking about sliding out and how he's almost done sliding out and it's been this thing. And thank you so much to my homeboy, Spider, who's been working with me. And you know he slid out three years ago because of his Catholic faith. And he's never been stronger. And he loves this and blah, blah, blah. And this one guy got up and was like, listen, man, I understand where y'all coming from, but y'all just can't be knocking the gangs like, yo, I'm affiliated. I've been affiliated my whole life. Like, the gang's my family. You understand? Like, this is my family. This is my brothers. This is my brother. This is my life. And it it changed everything because you you can, when you don't have fathers, the best next best thing is brothers. And when your brothers are a gang and they call themselves your brothers and they act like, you know, or they, you know, everyone acts like this is what brotherhood is. Let me put it that way. It becomes very, very, very dangerous to try to get out of that. They, they don't even see, because they don't belong anywhere. They don't know what it means to be a man except this type of man. And so mm-hmm. this guy's like, and so I actually felt sympathy, you know, because all I know of gangs is watching like gangland on the History Channel or whatever. And, you know, the things mm-hmm. you, you read about and you hear about on, through the lens of and the filter of Hollywood. And when you hear these guys, like, you hear, like, this is all I know of my family, and you want to take this away with your God. And so you feel this sympathy, but at the same time, you know the gang is destroying them, and it's using them. They are just a cog in a machine, and that machine is going to make money, make money, make money. That same guy came back on this retreat. I don't know how he got in the same retreat. He is, number one, he's hysterical. But he gets, uh, or he, he comes over, and I was like, "Hey, man, it's really great talking with you. You know, your poster that you drew—he's a tattoo artist." I said, "I still have that in my office. I hung it up on my wall. I love it." And he's like, "Oh, dude, that's so awesome!" And he's like, "Hey, you got your boy that was here last year. You have to tell him. I still plan on drawing that Virgin Mary for him. The, you know, I had a picture that I wanted to use." He said, "But I'm on this gang thing where I'm I'm sliding out of a gang, and it's a 12-month process." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You're sliding out?" You're, and he's like, yeah, you know, I have this affiliation. I'm leaving my gang affiliation. And so they, like, double down. The system doubled down and monitors all your communication to make sure that you really are doing that. And he's like, so I can't, I can't send any. I don't send letters. I don't do this. Oh. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. You're sliding out of a gang? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Wow. And I was like, do you remember last year? And he's like, yeah, dude, I remember that. He's like, I'm getting out because of my faith. And so this guy was like, no faith he's like that's good for y'all and now he's up there and he's quoting scripture and doing all this stuff and you know we're having some side conversations and it's just awesome it's just Hmm. i mean it's crazy what a year can make
0: yeah so the whole i mean you you probably don't know a lot about this but the sliding out process is that like is the gang aware that he's doing that and they're like okay but you've got to, you know this is going to take 12 months to prove that you're real about this this, so this is about you trying to just
1: so the gang, yeah, so the 12-month thing is like an official program at the in the prisons. It's, it's at, at several places. They didn't think that it was at this prison, but this guy said it, so maybe it is at our prison now. But So it's like an official thing. You can slide out of a gang for a handful of reasons. You heard that phrase, blood in, blood out? Like, blood in is where they beat you up. They jump you into the gang.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And blood out is, if you want to leave the gang, we jump you out of the gang, so you're going to catch a beating. But the idea is most of the gang members are going to be so pissed that you leave that they're going to probably beat you to death. And that's what happens when you try to leave the gang life like out on the streets. In the prison, if you get God, they will let you slide out instead of jump you out most of the time. So the whole slide now thing, your gang has to be aware of because you can't just not show up to a riot. You can't just not show up to a Mm -hmm. beating You can't just not, like, if you're getting oh my if you're in one jail cell, one block, right, of, like, I don't know how many, let's say like 30 jail cells in a block. So 60, mm-hmm. 60 men, roughly, maybe more. And another block is having a riot. And your gang is fighting another gang, which caused the riot. If you're in a different block and you hear about the riot and you know that someone from the rival gang is on your block, even though there's no beef, you have to start fighting them or your own gang might kill you because they're saying Ooh. you aren't sticking up for the gang, right? Mm-hmm. So if they catch you saying, well, I'm sliding out and then they catch you smoking a cigarette, they will beat because smoking a cigarette is deemed unchristian to them. A godly man shouldn't smoke cigarettes, so they will beat you to death. Mm-hmm. Like it's not all the time, it's not in every prison. The Ferguson unit is a gladiator unit, so it's known for having violent crime and stuff like that. And so this is all explained to me by a couple of guys last year. I didn't really, I, I wasn't a table facilitator this year. I was just a speaker and idiot. And so I, I didn't get to get in and local, to, idiot. And local idiot. Uh, so I didn't get <laughs> undercover FBI agent. No. Um, so they, they, you know, I didn't get to hear a lot of those stories and stuff, but so many of the men talk about it. I mean, just totally openly, mm-hmm. you know, like the guards will leave your jail cell open and then they'll leave the block. And you'll be alone on the block with your jail cell open. And six guys will just rush in and beat the hell out of you. And so, oh yeah. Gosh. So it's it's crazy. So you have that. You have drug culture. Uh. You have all of these things. And the drugs are still in the prisons. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much drugs can get smuggled into the prison. I, I don't get it. I don't understand how it happens. But it does. <laughs> One guy was up there talking. And he's like, you know, it's been about three years trying to get my life right. Now this time... They installed cameras in the chapel, and so the uh, they had three guards there most of the time, two or three guards, and they were walking around and stuff. And so I got to talk to some of the guards. They were really cool. Um, they're very chill. And uh, mm-hmm. I, when I was talking with some of the, I was like, I leaned over to one of our guys. I said, I don't remember the guards walking around. They just sat at the desk by the door, like on the far end of the room. And they're like, Yeah, they put these cameras in so they know like the higher ups are watching them, and so they have to be mm-hmm. busy, you know, all this stuff they're pretty cool they're mm-hmm. pretty cool you know they came and talked to with us um looked at their artwork and when they were drawing the posters and looking at all this stuff and they make comments and they would ask us questions and stuff and they would listen to the men's testimonies and stuff like that but um but they'll talk about like you know when when, when i showed up last year like four of the guards were fired because because they were corrupt and they got caught and so they they get fired and then they get a uh, uh felony charges against them like life is a really? real deal yeah it's real deal when you're in the prisons
0: and so, and, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like if you're smuggling stuff for someone who's already in prison, you're 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 just you're doing too much. You're well beyond the the pale of the yeah. law. But I mean, the, I don't know. I can't remember where I was going with that. But it's just crazy when. Oh, oh! I, I knew the story. Thank God I came back to it. So the guards are walking around, and this guy starts talking about three years ago when he changed, and he called. He's like, "What you?" He calls him by his. Is like gang name, which I'm I'm not gonna say it because some of the men in the prison who are now out sometimes listen to the podcast. Hey guys, um, oh, hi guys, and I think they can get some limited downloads. So they were like, What's the name of your podcast, Catching Foxes? and I was like, Yes, (laughs) but uh, the um, what his, his name is drug related, and he's like, You used to bring me my drugs here in prison, remember? and I'm like, oh my god he's outing him in front of the car it's like what do you control yourself man i could not believe he did that he was like yeah we used to jump people you used to give me my drugs and and everyone just starts busting up laughing and i was like stop talking like that'd be horrible if some guy gets a drug charge from three years earlier because of a testimony on a colby retreat no one would ever come to the retreats after that
0: oh no oh boy
1: yeah it's all stuff like that that you have to think about. Like, don't cuss. Don't even cuss to be cute, because if they hear you cussing, they'll think like you're working people up. And yeah, it's all these things you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta think about. No,
0: that makes sense.
1: Oh man. Well,
0: I uh, this weekend I uh, uh, doing the Dave Ramsey stuff, so I kind of like revamped some of that. It was good, <laughs> and I watched a couple movies to get ready for. Infinity War. So, you know, we both had a, f- a good time.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. That was intense. Uh, well, this weekend I had quite a doozy. I saw uh, Maroon 5 in concert uh,
0: on the television. <laughs> I really dive deep into the themes of Guardian of the Galaxy, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Quite interesting.
1: <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Uh, what, what what movies did you watch?
0: Uh uh, Guardians. Gosh, okay. Well, what do we watch? What do we watch? I, I um, do guess you kind of let it, it all blends together. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. It all bleeds together. Um. Okay. So Friday night. Are you I on phase three we, now? Um. No. So funny story. I don't know. If, I don't know if I told you this or not. But we're actually doing them in chronological order. So started with Captain America, Iron Man, Iron Man, to Thor, Avengers. Iron Man 3, Thor of the Dark World, Witcher Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, because it only takes place one month after Guardians of the Galaxy. And then we'll be doing Avengers and then Ant-Man. Whew. Avengers Age of Ultron? Yeah, yeah, sorry.
1: Right, that's the last Avengers, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, so... uh, Yeah, it's been... um, I, I watched a really good film called I i watched i tanya that was very very good i
1: saw that too oh that was
0: so good isn't that good yeah i love that like just the way they did and stuff was a great i mean really probably one of the better biopics i've ever seen because it's kind of like what it is it's a a biopic
1: she said that they had interviewed you know all the people and they went back through people's stories and they re-interviewed them Mm -hmm. for the movie and uh she was interviewed coincidentally by chris pratt um on uh, and and she's like, yeah, no. I mean, she she holds to her story that she had no idea that that's what was going to happen, and her ex husband holds to the story that he had no idea. And then, I mean, how crazy was it? The guy that bashed the that hired the guys to bash the, knee? Oh, I'm a secret agent.
0: No, you're not. I know. it's so. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like the. And the big like bodyguard guy who's like, "Yeah, I'm on assignment doing this and that." That's what I'm and talking about. Counter terrorist guy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. That guy. Uh, he was crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you sorry. I thought you meant the yeah. No, the guy that hired nuts. the two guys. You know, he's the the, the oh, bodyguard. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, just totally great soundtrack too. Just really very good movie.
1: Yeah, a lot of f bombs. My it's wife fun. does not like a lot of f bombs. Probably why she didn't listen to the show. But uh, fair enough. <laughs> no, but um, a lot of f bombs. A lot of if you, if you love the F word, you're going to love I, Tonya.
0: <laughs> Love I, Tonya. Yeah, man, could you just... Uh, there are times when I wonder if it is morally right to, to like raise a kid the way that you have to in, in order for them to be an elite pro athlete.
1: Well, I will say this. There are two sides to that. Because I know for a fact someone who was an elite gymnast you know, it was like uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert was talking during the Olympics, like robbing these kids of their childhood and all this stuff as a mm-hmm. joke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These kids, I mean, there are people that love, 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 love it.
0: That's true. That's true. They do. Yeah. I mean, they
1: really, really do. So, um, um, Biles is down here in the uh, Simone Biles is down here in in Spring, Texas. She's not too far, so uh, she's in the news a little bit more for us local people, right? But she's like people. People think that we don't like. Like we love being gymnasts, and we're so lucky yeah. that we get to do this for a living. Like we actually make a living doing this, you know. And that's why after this, it's not like I mean, she's educated. She was at home school, but she's an educated girl, you know, or young woman now, I guess. Um, but she, uh,
0: you know, not a girl, not yet a woman. Britney Spears,
1: show me your heart. Um, but she, uh, <laughs> not your hips, your heart. <laughs> she uh but she i mean there's a reason why so many gymnasts continue on in that career doing different things that are related to it mm. you know mm-hmm. because they yeah, really sure, they sure. really do love it but they're not going to compete at that level it's not just this is all i know i mean to an extent i'm sure it is but not for everyone not in the same way and so um i had a friend who's a who, uh, wonderful wife and mom and um does a lot of ministry at our church and she was a nationally ranked gymnast and i was like "What? what was that like for you and she's like if i could do it all over again i would absolutely do it she's like every second i loved it there's not she's like i was not one of those kids whose parents forced them but i was lucky enough to be one of those kids whose parent made parents made it happen
0: yeah but okay so i'm really talking more about your uh like your tiger woods tanya hardings um the people like the top of the top in their respective sport
1: yeah that when parents are literally forcing i think i mean that's borderline child cruelty
0: uh, no, I mean, I mean, just you see it in the soccer world all the time. I mean, these kids are actually taken from their homes, and and there's a lot of times for the parents, they will go with them, but it totally changes the life of the whole family. And it's just, I don't know, it's very, it's very interesting. That's what, like, you have a guy like Lionel Messi. I mean, he was he. I think he left his he left Argentina like the I think like the age of like five. I mean, to the point where people from um people from are people from argentina actually call him the cantalonian and uh, they don't really view him as being from argentina for the most part and his whole life he's just been like it's it's just it's it's very like spartan-esque and it just gives me the creeps at times oh yeah that, that's that is saying. crazy yeah i didn't really... i mean these kids are just um, yeah it's it's nuts it's absolutely nuts so the... that's actually one of the reasons oh, well i was just gonna Go
1: say like, like yeah i think that is i think that is crazy um i, I think they justify it by saying well i'm giving them a future you know like you make your kids go to school so they can that's one path education and maybe they'd be grading it too or maybe they get it on the side but you know mm-hmm. I'm, at least by doing this you know it's something amazing but mm, man that is that is yeah. brutal
0: yeah no i i just it's actually one of the reasons why i don't want i, I really hope that as the as this as the sport of as the sport of soccer grows I hope that's the part that we don't do i hope we find a way around that because i just think it's really messed up
1: <laughs> well we're kind of already doing it through the public school system i'd imagine in 10-15 years public schools will essentially be sports teams that have to learn how to read and write <laughs> like i really feel <laughs> like that's the, it's like wee football that's a joke it's going to be full tackle football at the age of five and you know in between like i think they'll treat practices like class right like you go to practice all day and then for an hour after
0: practice you go to school that's what's really going to be in america are, are you gonna are you gonna um, let your kids are you gonna the two boys will you have them play like pb football and stuff yeah non-tackle yeah i'd rather than With play kids I, don't... I mean
1: i'm sending noah to argentina in a couple of weeks just kidding
0: <laughs> there you go <laughs> gotta make that money um gotta make that, that, paper, that nike sponsorship man. Uh yeah, I don't really know if I I don't know if we have if we have boys to fall um I just don't know. It's I don't know. I, I, I think it's starting to change the whole atmosphere around that that people are it's just weird because um here in America we play our sports even at a young age to win. And so it's not I mean this isn't the case across the board but it tends unless you join
1: the ymca non-competitive ymca
0: well that's the thing is if you one of the things that all of these european teams do at at the level that that i that i really do like is it's not about trying to win it's more about i mean that's there for certain things but it's more about trying to hone your skills and grow as a player and so like you see it in the american game that's why we. That's why every like all that anyone knows how to do is just it's just we just like run fast, try hard, kick the ball long, and uh, that's like why we're not good at soccer because we sent we we cut people out because we think they're too small and it's only people like if if, if you if you kind of look at it it's really fascinating because all of our on um, top all our, like top guys are not short. Okay. For the most part they're all like they're all they're all kind of tall because we don't have the short guys play because we think that they are too short we don't allow them to um, like um develop their game. So we think like, they they're never have that little, enough. Yeah, th- th- that they're t- that they're too short to play so we're not going to yeah, that's that's pretty much it that there's no chance for, for them to be on the field. So even though they're going um, to to grow, they're not going to help the coach win at that point in time. So they're not going to be as underdeveloped um, developed as certain other guys will. So like like kind of like the like this like whole reason why we didn't make the world cup goes back to like 2000 and like two and three and four and five. Like you can see it all kind of happening and it's completely, completely fascinating, but it's just, it says a lot about American sports that it's actually what makes us so great, which are just our desire to like win and just try hard is what actually cost us a world cup spot in the long run. I think. Wow. Really? Yeah yeah i i think yeah i i absolutely think that see
1: stuff like this is fascinating to me because it's like the application of scientific principles and statistics that are that's Mm -hmm. really solvable like you can you can start when you start to measure these things that seem at first to be non-intersecting strands of thought like american players are taller and stronger and faster and it's like yeah but the way they play the game is every man's kind of out for himself in this one regard or the whole team plays in this one style because we don't view athletes as short guys. they are the exceptions, you know, Spud Webb or something like that, playing basketball, able to dunk and Mm -hmm. all that stuff, win win dunking competitions Mm -hmm. as a five-foot, whatever he was, five-foot-three, five-foot-seven. But this, that is fascinating to me, and it is rooted in children, the way we groom children for sports. Because it, it reminds me yes. of that whole um, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 Hours in order to become an expert, where he talked about mm-hmm. um, the cutoff. Of, did you read that book, Outliers?
0: <coughs> um, I've bits and pieces of it.
1: Well, it was really fascinating. This, uh, I read, sorry, not Outliers, but blank. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is Outliers. Um, okay, and okay. in Outliers, he talks about how, because he's trying to look at statistics and show you how certain people become outliers. And he's like, if you're if you have a natural talent in an area, if you apply ten thousand hours worth of practice, you could probably become an expert. And so he talks about how the mm-hmm. Beatles used to play in strip clubs in Germany when they were teenagers. Hamburg. Yeah. So that when they were in their early twenties or however old they were when they appeared on the was it Ed Sullivan show, they were mm-hmm. they were a thousand times better than anyone else because they had played about 10,000 other hours as a band together and so but yeah
0: well and I'm no sorry. no go 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 on no I was trying to just let like like this other quits this this other quick stat of that that I think really can't be underestimated is that when Paul McCartney and when John Lennon first like met one of the, one of the very first things they did was sit and sit in John Lennon's house and they wrote 100 songs they just they were constantly trying trying to like write songs to 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 get us so by the time they're in their early on the 20s and they're able to hit it big they can write these these just incredible pop rock songs just like that because they had been doing it for half their life yeah honestly
1: so then you have uh they apply that same kind of analysis to hockey leagues in Canada and they mm-hmm. find out that the type of people when you start to add up the ages of the best professional hockey players You find out that their birthdays skew September, October, November, and not later in the year. There's very few, like, May birthdays. And the reason being, if you're born after September 1 or whatever the cutoff day is for your elementary school, you want to be the oldest on the team. Because when you're young, you know, a six-month-old developmentally is totally different than a year old. And that, mm-hmm. that continues when you're in first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. Six months is a huge development time. So if you're the oldest yep. in your class and you're playing people who are the youngest in your class, you are just developmentally further along physically. You are going to play better than them. And so the idea is those kids get more playing time. Those kids get more. They're more apt to keep up with hockey at a competitive level as they move into middle school and high school. And so they're hitting the ten thousand hours a lot earlier than other kids, but uh, yeah. and it's because of the favoritism of when these grades hit. So rather than grouping kids within a, a narrower whatever constraint, I mean it has to be arbitrary at some point. You just have to say, "All right, no, September first, that's the cutoff point." But um,
0: well, but then you, what? you also have to understand like what are the consequences of those right. choices. You know, it it which it kind of goes back to our whole like earlier chat about like we shouldn't we should have everything on the on the table to be able to discuss these in a a robust way. Because so, like for example, to go back to all the soccer stuff, one of the things that drives me crazy is when people say, "Well, if our best athletes played that, we would be we'd be a World Cup champs every four years," which is a complete utter bull because we have great. These are great athletes they are better athletes they're just as good as anyone else in any pro sport in any pro sport here in the state if you were to put if you were to put LeBron james on a like soccer field he'd get destroyed because he doesn't know on what to do because it's not just about how athletic you are it's about what are what are the tactical skills and i'm sorry what is what what kind of um, tactical knowledge do you have and what are the what are the technical skills that we really don't that like you're able to to you know, like have you're able to uh, grow and to cultivate as a kid, and so like one thing that we really have to ask: Why aren't there a lot of Hispanic players on like national team? Like, because we don't play that kind of game, and all the people who coach there's, those teams are old white men. Huh. So you don't have a lot of people playing a very Hispanic style. Like all, I mean, almost all of the players are from. They're not from the West Coast. The ball in fact, like almost all of them are from the East Coast or the midwest slash parts of the South in Texas. It's crazy. It's crazy,
1: really? Because that's the type mm-hmm. of game that's favored, right? or what?
0: Yes, yeah, by the coaches because they don't like so they don't understand how can I use a Hispanic kid? I don't know how to I don't know how to like how can we because he doesn't fit the kind of game that we, play which is just like run fast try 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 run fast try hard which is why we have great athletes but um the only the only real outlier there is like Landon Donovan who's the best player ever because uh he was just too good they couldn't his game is relatively Hispanic to a certain extent because he grew up around that but he was just so good they couldn't ignore him so, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you would be amazed at the amount of, uh, like there's a bunch of players here in the States who actually play in Mexico and are even on the next national team or are in that system because here in America, we just don't know oh, what to do with them.
1: Wow. That's sad.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, dude, we just, um, I could go on about this. Like one We're really quick thing the is we just, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. There's this kid named, uh, Jonathan. Drisoli. Gonzalez. He is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he is 18, tearing it up on one of the best teams in Mexico. He could be one of the biggest players in the world in about like five to ten years. And the United States just like, I mean, he was, he wanted to play for us, and no one really paid any kind of attention to him that much. He was, he was actually like left off one of the national like youth teams. So he committed, so he filed, the he filed the one-time switch and is now a Mexican player. For the rest of his life because no one really knew how because they just don't know like because their attitude is well if like you want to if if you want to play f- for us y- you will and if you don't you don't they don't understand how a person can feel can like have like a loyalty to two different countries because that's what his background is that you know he has mexican parents but he's born here in the states, so he's huh wow you know yeah it's it's it is completely fascinating slash kind of want to die inside because it's just we are <laughs> this is not going away anytime soon
1: so this reminds me of uh, i was listening to a book called mm, was it triggered or was this the habits book no it was the habits book the power of habit and the guy was talking about how he's like this methodical um thinker and manager and he began it was his job for the federal government or may- maybe it was a state government at this time to figure out why women we're having so many miscarriages in the United States, hmm. and so he—it was his job to curb that that problem. And so he's hmm. like, "Look at all these countries; they all have sky high, or um, a, a barely noticeable infant mortality, but our America in certain pockets of America we're having these sky high problems." And so he said, uh, "You know, oh, you know what's the problem?" So they began doing all these surveys. Long story short a lot of the higher risk pregnancies were from rural areas where the girls or the women um, are not, they don't have a good diet. And because of their diets lacking a lot of stuff, the children are um, under uh, underperforming, failure to thrive, and they die. And so mm-hmm. what ends up happening was in order to help stop miscarriages, he has to change the way – Teachers are educated on uh, bio in biology. He has to get basically stronger biology classes for teachers, so that when they go to these rural schools and are teaching high school girls, they can give them additional information about nutritional stuff before and during pregnancy. And it like uh, this project took like you know obviously to fully flesh itself out it took like twelve years. And the pregnancy thing, like, or the uh, miscarriage thing just dropped like off a cliff after he started instituting this. So it's like the first uh-huh. people we start with is not hospitals. It's not the girls themselves who are pregnant. It's the teachers who are <laughs> becoming educators or the the mm-hmm. people who are in school to become educators. We got to teach them more biology. And so that's where he started. So obviously, a change like that takes its time to work its way through the system. And so, and it, and it caused this this dramatic fault totally but, yeah i just think stuff like that is so fascinating
0: oh i did too oh i i don't see um the like u.s men's team getting good for about another three years because they'll kind of be over it's called the lost it's, they're calling it the lost generation kids born kids born between like 90 and let's say like 95 there's just there's no one who's good just a total loss that's, it's starting to change that now with a lot so of things.
1: But... We're just talking about soccer and it's like they're the lost generation.
0: Oh, None no of yes. them are good. <laughs> we have to wait till no,
1: their bodies are turned into soylent and fed to stronger babies. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> During the world this is how sad I am about this. So after the world after we bombed out of the World Cup uh uh out of World Cup qualification, a whole bunch of us were having a bunch of great chats on like like online and I had this really long thread. I did all, I did like a little bit like math and saying, here's, you can, you can kind of see like, cause like every birth year had like three guys who were strong on the team. And I kind of like went through, assigned them to like each year. And I said, here's where we're at right now. Like we're not going to be good for like another, if, if, if the guys who are young pan out, which it seems like it's going to, we won't be good for like a while. Call it my long, my long like national, Nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) This is what caused me to to call my wife in borderline tears on October tenth, two 2017 at 10.30 p.m.
1: Honey, honey, what's wrong, Luke? Oh, my God, are you okay? Is this another stroke? No, I've been running the numbers. Oh, no, is it our finances, (laughs) our retirement, our (laughs) medical care? No, no, worse. I got this Excel spreadsheet <laughs> and I've realized that it is gonna take exactly seven and a half years before we're even capable of being a World Cup contender. Just just to be <laughs> capable. Luke, no, it's really. Are you kidding me right now, honey? No, I'm not kidding. The (laughs) math doesn't lie. The numbers don't lie. Look at this kid in Skokie, Illinois. He's eight years old. Shows a lot of promise, (laughs) but he's playing Mexican ball. You can't play (laughs) football. This is soccer, and they're not going to acknowledge him. I just imagine this. This You're just like just empty beer bottles, and and just. Dot matrix printouts, <laughs> <laughs> like this is a NASA scientist walking around. <laughs> My, My god. god,
0: it's no, true. so okay, it's it was not when I printed the numbers, it was when they lost, but it's pretty much how it went. Like, I called her it's in the rain, it was outside, it started, it started the rain. Luke never and stopped I, being it, you. <laughs> And she goes hi, and I go. They're out of it. She goes, "What? I'm like the U.S. didn't didn't oh uh, make the World Cup?" She goes, "Oh no!" And I was like, "Yeah, I just I can't believe." It. And she and then she just goes, "Are you crying?" <laughs> I was like, "No, you're crying. <laughs> Your stupid
1: face is crying. Shut up, Richard." <laughs> Luke, you are so perfect. You are so perfect, Luke. Oh my gosh! Never just, stop
0: being you. It's such a fun thing, and we're just robbed of it. And I was just, it just, it just sucks because it would have been nice to have one thing the whole country could just get behind for like two weeks. It would have been really nice.
1: We do. It's called women's gymnastics and it occurs (laughs) for every Olympics, whatever the hell that is. It's like, who's on the men's gymnastics team? Who gives a shit? Women's gymnastics (laughs) is all we care about. And I don't know why that's all we care about, but that's really a big deal. Track and field, track and field. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of impressive stuff going on what else Mm -hmm. in the summer games what else do we i mean we don't care about cricket i mean a billion people watch cricket we don't care
0: We don't care basketball was kind of cool but i mean it's just when you're like too dumb it's like okay we get it we're better than everyone at this um what else is good over the summer i forget man i don't know
1: are you a big olympic games watcher
0: I used to be, I really did, and then before when the I war- moved to Eureka, yeah, seriously, when I moved to Eureka, uh, I just, we, you know, I just didn't have like a TV of my own at first to like watch it. Uh, to actually, have like cable and stuff, so we just, I don't know, I just never really got no, because that would have been right before because I, Luke, Trump stopped trying to do math at twelve o'clock on a Sunday night. Consult the spreadsheets, um, Luke.
1: Consult the spreadsheets. <laughs>
0: My God, we don't have anyone to support <laughs> Christian Bale. <Pulisic>. my God, <laughs> oh my God, my, yeah, the just, numbers like, don't lie. A, <laughs> I just like have a cigarette. that's, like, uh, it's like I like like uh, coffee rings and stuff, styrofoam <laughs> cups. You, you're wearing like a skinny Samuel L. Jackson's in been... the back.
1: I hate this hacker shit. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, you didn't say the magic word. Ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word.
0: Where are it we ate not me. Going to Jurassic Park? Shark ate me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Luke, I don't even. What did we talk about? Prison? Dave Matthews' Prison. band? Luke goes to the bathroom. Luke goes to old St. Mary's. <laughs> I took notes. I even drew a picture of you in a purple suit with a perm and round glasses.
0: Hey, this was fun. This was fun. Gomer. Luke. Good times. Good times. And nowhere are we coming off with 20 minutes of absurd jokes that could only be found on patreon.com slash CF. Mm-hmm. If they want to hear the past 20 minutes, where could they go, Gormley?
1: Patreon.com slash CF. Donate $10 or more a month, and you'll get access to all of our episodes, free episodes, whatever episodes. So, no, 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 no. Also, big thank you on. to the fine folks nope, at nope. the Liturgical Shh. Institute. Shh. For sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes,
0: good day to you. Thank you. Thank you, guys.